Thank you for listening to TMA's Practice Well podcast. TMA, helping you improve the health of all Texans. Hello and welcome to the Texas Medical Association's Practice Well podcast. My name is Meredith Inez with TMA Public Health and our guest today is Dr. Trish Pearl. Dr. Pearl is an infectious disease specialist at UT Southwestern in Dallas and is a member of TMA's COVID-19 Task Force as well as TMA's Committee on Infectious Diseases. Today, Dr. Pearl will be discussing how you can minimize your risk for COVID-19 while still enjoying your winter holidays. Welcome, Dr. Pearl. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm sure it's an understatement to say that 2020 has been a difficult year, and back in March, we probably weren't expecting for COVID-19 to still be affecting our lives so dramatically. As we approach the time of year when many people travel to spend the winter holidays with their friends and families, how do you think we can combat COVID-19 and still encourage people to be vigilant in maintaining infection control practices such as social distancing, washing hands, and wearing masks? I think this is going to be one of the, our greatest challenges uh, because people really do have fatigue from all of these measures. The problem is that this is really the new normal. And until we really see that we have something like a vaccine or other measures um, that are going to prevent transmission, this is going to be our new normal. And the only thing I can tell you is um, that it reminds me a little bit when I was a little girl and my mom always made me do my homework every night and I was so sick of doing my homework and I hated doing my homework and they made me do my homework every night and everyone kept on telling me, you're doing this because there's a reason and ultimately this is going to be good for you. And I think that's the kind of situation we're in now is that it's hard to see that light at the end of the tunnel, but this is really something that we're just going to have to persevere with and keep on doing and really reminding each other how important it is because even in the setting of vaccine, a vaccine may only be 50% effective. And so we're going to have to really make this our new normal. Well, it's probably really good that you were so diligent about about doing your homework since um, it, it ended up pretty pretty well for you. Um, well, let's say, you know, someone understands the risks associated with travel when it comes to COVID-19, but um, it's been, you know, nine months since they've seen seen their families and, and they really, they, they, they want to take on that risk because they, they feel that it's worth it in order to spend time with their loved ones. Um, if they choose to travel anyway, what advice do maybe you have or what ways do you recommend that they can do um, to, to be more conscientious of, of reducing their risk? So let's start just by talking about the travel per se, because there's so many elements of, of your question. Uh, but travel is going to be safest if you're in a, an environment where you're with people that you're normally with. And so that means a car is probably the the safest way of traveling just because you're not exposed to other people. Uh, So, you know, and if you are in a car with, with people you don't know, I mean, obviously you do need to wear your mask. If you can open the window, that improves ventilation, but you really need to think about how can I keep ventilation um, maximized? If you're not driving um, and your alternatives are train or or bus or or flying, 
Um, we know most about airplanes, really, and how safe they are. Uh, and essentially, the risks, given all of what the airline industry has done recently, appear to me much lower. You know, first of all, they've been able to maximize the ventilation system on airplanes. Um, and secondly, they're asking everyone to wear wear masks in these airplanes, and so that's also minimized transmission. And they have a they do a lot of hand hygiene along with that. Direct routes are going to be better than if you have multiple stops. I actually recently had to fly recently, um, and it, it was the airport that was the scariest part of the the flight. You know, if you can go on airlines that, that have middle seats empty, that's also going to give you a little bit more social distancing or physical distancing, so that's going to be safer. If you can choose flights and fly on off hours or travel on off hours, that's also going to be safer. Um, and then, you know, other things to think about in terms of, of what you can do. Well, you know, clean down those surfaces when you sit down and make sure that that's, um, you know, that 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 is your area, your personal space, if you will, is clean. You can wear a face shield in addition to a mask. So even though you think it looks stupid, it's okay to be stupid in these times and and um, and and wear additional protection. Uh, you can call airlines now ahead of time and find out if there are flights that are less full, and so you can choose you know that kind of flight um, as opposed to other flights. You know, and the same the same principles are true on on trains and buses. So as much as you can go on where there are less people and more ability to social distance or physically distance, that's going to be safer. But just remember to always wear your mask and have a lot of hand hygiene um, if you're going to choose that. So those are at least the issues with the flying or the getting to 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 your your family. Um, but really, you know, as much as you can minimize how much you're going to be exposed to other people is 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 what we're trying to achieve. That's that's good to hear. Um, and what about um, let's say I, I do uh, choose to travel, whether it's by train, plane, or automobile. Um, once I get to my destination to see my family or friends, is it better if I stay in a hotel or a, a rental, um, such as an Airbnb, or would it be okay if, if I stayed with my family or friends? It depends a lot on your family situation, the house that they have, or, or you know, the setting that they're in. Um, you know, are there immunocompromised people in the house? You, what, what's, what's the setting? You know, so for example, I wouldn't want you necessarily to go and stay with your 90-year-old grandmother. You know, that may not be the best thing for her or for you. Um, and so you, you really have to look at each setting. But in general, what I can say is a lot of hotels and rental properties have really looked carefully at their cleaning strategies and made sure that they have um, good cleaning processes in place. And if they don't, you can do simple things like wipe down the high-touch surfaces when you go into a room. Um, you know, so just make sure that it meets the kind of standard you would set your, for yourself in your own home. And um, look, you know, when you choose a place, look for a place that has overt signs that they're really thinking about your safety and, and making sure that, you know, it, it has in place all of those things that you would want to make sure that you're safe as well as they are making, you know, that you're safe, but also it's safe for others. So... Would you say that it's a good idea uh, to get a COVID test uh, before I, I travel to go see family and friends? I know they've, they've become quite 
more more widely available around the country um but if it it makes a difference in kind of uh, assessing your risk beforehand or not so you know there are there there are good things and bad things about a covid test um and what people have to understand is not all covid tests are created equal so they're not all equally sensitive and specific so they may not all identify when you truly have disease and they may um identify you as having disease when you don't. So there are a lot of issues with these tests. Um, But, you know, is it reassuring? Absolutely. Um, It is totally reassuring. But if you get one, you still have to understand that you could be early in in the process of having an infection or the test may not have been good enough to pick up. You just have a lower viral load, Uh, but it's still enough to transmit. or, um, you know, it. I guess those would be the things you would be most worried about. If you find out you're positive, then you have to sort of say, am I really positive? Did, did I have infection? Am I, am I an asymptomatic? And then the other thing that you have to understand with some of these tests, they can be positive for long periods of time. So you may have had COVID and your test can be positive for 90 days with some of these. So... You know, it it can be reassuring in some ways, but it can also make you feel like, oh, I can go out, I don't have it, I can go kiss my grandmother and whatever, and you may not want to really do that. So you just have to understand that they're not as reassuring as they can be. They are more reassuring if you've had multiple tests that are negative, like they've been doing in sports leagues. Um, so that strategy is a little different than just one single test at one point in time. I'm so I'm really lucky in that I I don't have to travel um by plane uh to see my my family. They live in Dallas actually and so um they're just a quick car ride up north. Um and I I do but I do have grandparents who are in their 90s and I am fearful about um putting them at risk or or them possibly getting sick. Um however, you know, I I want to see them. I haven't seen them in in a long time and and I've never um really had to spend a holiday apart from them. Um, you know, is it is it a good idea for me to visit? Is it something that um, I can do safely? And, and if I choose to do so, you know, what can I maybe do um, to really minimize my risk of, of getting them sick? So uh, that's a great question. And yes, I think there are some things that we can do to make it safer. Um, and there's some things we should think about doing just in general in terms of how are we going to change our our approach to this. But You know, one thing is if you have the luxury of working from home and you can isolate yourself for 14 days beforehand, that's the safest thing to do. I mean, because then you really know that you haven't been exposed and it's going to be safer. You know, the elderly are very vulnerable and they're, you know, clearly a population that we want to work, that we we worry about just like immunocompromised. So that would be, if you want to be as safe as you can be, that's the best thing. If you can't do that, what can you do? Well, you know, obviously wearing your mask um, is is going to be important. And that physical distancing, so no hugs for grandma this year. And, um, and, and then, of course, lots and lots of alcohol hand gel and hand washing are going to be really important. So, you know, washing your hands before you go into the house and see them, etc. Now, if they're coming to your house, then, you know, you want to clean down all those 
wipe down all those high touch surfaces and just sort of think about how you can make your space safer if your family is coming to you. You know, how can you improve the ventilation? Is it warm enough? You know, we're fortunate we're in Texas so that you can open the windows. Um, can you have Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner outside? You know, what kinds of things can you do to really um, make it safer? And can you limit the number of people that are there and visiting? So maybe you don't have all 35 of your house family members, but, you know, you do a small group because a smaller group is going to be safer than a larger group. It just decreases the risk that someone could have um, an asymptomatic COVID infection. Um, you know, and then think about your seating arrangements. You know, can you have, instead of one big table, could you have smaller tables or can you do something on, where everyone's eating in, in you know, uh, with food on their, on their plates, on their knees outside. And, you know, I mean, how, how we're going to have to think about how to do this a lot differently. Um, make sure you've gotten your flu shot at least two to three weeks before you go visit them, because it takes about... 10 days to four, 10 to 14 days to develop immunity. So you want to make sure you have it. Now we've started seeing a little bit of flu around. And so we want everyone to do that. Um, you know, and then, you know, so if you can isolate, you're going to be the low, the, the least risky. I think the riskier thing is, uh, people who are coming back from college or who live in congregate settings of some sort, you know, those are going to be the folks that it's going to be higher for them, harder for them to isolate and are more likely to be exposed. And, you know, they're going to be higher risk. So, um, you know, I think I worry about, you know, my college age kids coming home more than, you know, me giving it to them, for example. Uh, speaking of kids, I know missing out on on big family gatherings can is, can be especially hard for for families with young children around the holidays. Um, they don't probably understand why they can't hug grandma or or why um, you know they have to be restrained in in their um, love for 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 their family, and that can be really challenging. Um, do you have any? particular advice or any um, special considerations for those families who, who might be struggling with, you know, dealing with um, young children, but also um, at-risk relatives? Right. Now, you know, I think you're identifying some of the hardest part of this, and there's no really good answer. I mean, I think most of what, you know, we're suggesting is just very, very practical stuff. Um, but, you know, certainly... Again, just really think about, um, you know, how you can plan your visit. Uh, you know, if you're going to go to grandma and grandpa's, you know, having a talk with them about here's what you can do and here's what you can't do just so they understand the rules of the game. You know, and similarly with little kids, it's the same thing. You know, here's what we can do. Here's what you can't do. Um, so everyone understands what the rules of the game are going to be. Uh, you know, minimize it. If if everyone wants to get together, maybe not everyone can go at the same time, but can you do smaller groups? Uh, <clears throat> we've already mentioned, but, you know, again, just to reiterate, can you do stuff outside? You know, is that, you know, that's going to be safer. We know that. Even if you're outside, you still should be wearing your mask because you're going to have a group of people together. Uh, <clears throat> in terms of how many people, we really, you know, probably... Definitely less than 10 is going to be the safest. Even less than that is probably better if you can do it. And then if someone is truly severely immunocompromised or, you know, or someone's high risk, then, you know, think about other things. Can you do FaceTime? I mean, are there other kinds of ways that we can include them in the celebration without physically being there, you know? 
uh, and just really trying to, in a very difficult time, making it as as unpainful as we can. Um, you know, and, and what we all have to do in all of this is just recognize that, especially for the our grandparents, and, you know, we all treasure them because they're such special people, uh, that um, this just may not be the year to go visit them, or the time, or maybe we can go before Christmas. And, you know, I mean, are there other ways to do it? Um, so that we're being uh, as as safe as we can. And then the final thing, and this is the hardest, the hardest is if you are sick, you must not participate in any of these activities, you know? I, and I don't mean to be a meanie, but I have to be. It's just, this is not the time if you feel like you have a runny nose or just, even if it's a tiny sniffle or you're just really think you might be getting sick, don't go. You know, as, you know, as hard as that is to say, it's going to be hard for all of us, but we really have to be careful about what we're doing this year just because of the risk and because these are our most treasured people we're going to go see. Um, I'm, you know, I'm very lucky that my family has been taking um, COVID-19 seriously and has have been, you know, being very careful and, and wearing masks and, and not doing anything that may put, um, you know, my grandparents, for example, at, at risk. Um but unfortunately, I know that's not the case for everyone's family. Um, and I, I know it's very challenging, but, you know, what advice or, or anything you can say to someone who is having to um, deal with the reality that their family's uh, members may not be taking um, the virus as seriously, they may not be wearing the mask, they may not have been, um, you know, social distancing or, or quarantining in the same way. Um, but yet, you know, they're planning on, on getting together for the holidays. You know, I, I would just say, you know, I think there are going to be people who just feel like they're untouchable and, and, and are a little less uh, vigilant about following some of the recommended practices. And there's just not a great way of, of, of saying, saying it, except just really coming out and saying it and just saying, you know, I'm really worried about, you know, you've been out partying and I think that's terrific and I wish I could do it. But, you know, this year I, I just can't have you in my house because you could bring COVID in and I don't want grandma to get it or, or whatever. Or, you know, you're going to have to think of a way of not going to visit that house because, you know, maybe you're not feeling well or you're just, you know, whatever. But uh, yeah. There's no graceful way of easily doing it, but I think that we just have to really respect the fact that, you know, people have made decisions for a lot of different reasons, and you don't want to be part of those decisions. Um, and and so you're going to have to be as as graceful as you can be in a difficult situation. And I'm sure that there are some creative things that people will come up with that I haven't thought of on the top off the top of my head, but. You know, I, I'm just very direct and sort of say, you can't do it. I had to tell my sister that she couldn't go visit my mother this year. And it was really hard, but it was just, you've done some activities that are really high risk. And, you know, mom is too high risk and none of us can go get on a plane and go visit her right now. It's not the time to do it. I think the um, excuse you um, 
you offered in, in that um, if you're going to visit someone else, someone else's house that you're not feeling well is, is a great one to use because then you're not really um, being as confrontational. You're not putting it on them. You're, 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 you're saying, well, it's, it's my, you know, my um, health that may be right. at risk. No, exactly. Which I think may be a good tactic to use to avoid any sort of um, difficult conversation. Right. Do you have any advice for any holiday activities that may be less risky um, for, for families, especially those with young young kids that they can still engage in and, and feel that holiday spirit? So, um, you know, I, there are a lot of things that you can do that are less risky, and I've heard some really creative ideas out there, but, uh, you know, certainly... The Festival of Lights where you have the drive-through holiday lights are, that's fair. That's fun. And you can do that kind of thing. Um, there there have been drive, drive-in movies, etc. So if you can stay a little bit in your own little bubble, things like that are going to be fair game, um, etc. Um, I had a colleague who uh, just did her child's birthday party and she delivered uh uh, the mixings to make cookies to everyone's house. And then they all did uh, a collective call, you know, a Zoom call or a, you know, a FaceTime call and they made cookies together. So you could have a cookie making party. Um, you know, there are certainly um, other outdoor activities that can be done that are going to be much safer than, you know, having the traditional kind of holiday parties. You can decorate your masks. You can decorate your face shields, you know, and, and have a contest for the best face shield. Um, you know, instead of the ugliest sweater, we could have the ugliest face shield. Um, you know, so, so I think you can do a lot of creative things. And there are, you know, there, there is a tradition of, of holiday gifting that can continue. And that's, you know, absolutely safe. Um, now, there are things we shouldn't be doing. We should not be doing, you know, multiple holiday parties. And in fact, we probably shouldn't be doing many holiday parties at all. You know, the more people you get together, the more the risk is. And the, the data that are coming out now are that it's these family gatherings that are these, these known, ga- the, where people who know each other are getting together that have been where a lot of the transmission has occurred. So we really need to, um, you know, be careful about that. You know, as you know, or as this, this audience knows, singing and, and, and things have been associated with, with a lot of transmission. And so any kind of indoor caroling and things like that are just going to be high-risk activities. Um, indoor activities are going to be much higher risk, and especially when there are a lot of people there. So just, you know, you don't, this is not the year to go to the mall and, and hang out when there's a lot going on. And then obviously, you know, bars remain and, you know, any of these places where there are a lot of people, even some of the games I've seen on uh, the pictures coming out of some of these sports games, they just really are unsafe. So it's it's just when you get a lot of people together, that that's that's not going to be the, the safest place. So, you know, things that you can do with a small group of people or alone but are fun are going to be how to best celebrate um, this, you know, this kind of season. And even thinking about a different way, if you have little kids of, of doing Santa, I mean, you know, can, can you have Santa come to your house or something like that as opposed to going to the mall for that? I mean, what kinds of things can, can you do to make it um, fun but, but different and, and not putting people at, uh, into these activities that are just riskier? 
Um, I really like your suggestion of ugliest uh, face shield. I think you might be on to a new trend there. Um, so I know the holidays can also be a time when, when people want to give back. And, and a lot of people do that by, by volunteering in person at, um, at shelters or food kitchens. Do you have any advice for, for those individuals who just, um, really feel like the, the call to still, to be, to still be generous this holiday season? Yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, you, you have to really, just tip your hat to all of these people who are doing these kinds of activities because they're putting themselves at risk. And, um, you know, and, and thank goodness we have people like that. But the reality is that if they've chosen to do this, what they need to do is just sort of recognize that this is what I'm doing for this holiday season. I'm giving to these people. So you may not, you can't give what you've gotten to, to your family or to other people. And so you just really have to say, here's my gift this year. And my gift to my family is that I'm going to be working in this kitchen or, you know, whatever I'm going to be doing. Um, you know, and I think we all have to think about, you know, what are we going to be doing in terms of, you know, traditionally a lot of people have gone and worked in soup kitchens and stuff. And maybe we bring, you know, we bring, um, supplies as opposed to volunteering to work in these settings and that's especially going to be important um or you know can we prepare meals for a family and then just have those delivered to a family so how can we think about what we're what's been done but doing it a little bit differently and then for people who are working in those settings wear your mask wear your face shield you know hand hygiene hand hygiene hand hygiene and really physical distance as much as we can i mean we're going to have to really think about what these spaces are going to look like and how are we going to keep people separated and etc you know and and very much you know different venues it's going to have to be held in a very large venue or can it be done outside because the weather's nice you know but how can we do this safely um that's really that's really great advice um do you have any other advice or anything you felt that we haven't covered um that you would want our listeners to know so, you know, the thing we haven't really covered is, so my family's at my house, what do I do? So we talked a little bit about watching that, you know, we talked about, um, you know, cleaning the surfaces, but, you know, one thing to think about with the family over, um, especially if you're serving meals, um, are you don't want to have everyone lining up and you don't want to do a family style meal. So this is the year that everyone gets served and, you know, their plate gets handed to them or, you know, so just think about how you're going to serve your meals, uh, in a way where you don't have people, different people touching us a spoon or you're going to have food that gets put back somewhere. You you just don't want to have those kinds of, of activities. Um, it may be the year to not pull out the silver and to use disposable. So you're going to have your paper plates and you're going to have your plastic spoons. So just really think about what you're going to do in the house when you're, you know, serving, you know, things, what are those hors d'oeuvres going to look like? So we're probably not going to have a cheese plate with a lot of different cheeses. We're going to have individual hors d'oeuvres or we're going to have little plates with all all the hors d'oeuvres already organized. So you just take a plate and you go. But, you know, I think those are the kinds of things to think about when everyone's coming to your place and you're, you're the, the food czar of the day. That's, that's a really great uh, point. It, it didn't even occur to me um, that during, you know, Thanksgiving dinner, or during the holidays, that all the food is kind of in the middle of, of the table and there's the turkey and the sides and you just reach out and everyone's touching the same spoon. So um, I think that's, 
that's really uh, good for people to be aware of. And I know I don't I don't know if anyone will complain about um, not having to wash dishes and being able to use uh, disposable plateware maybe for this year. Right, and there are the bowls of popcorn all over the place, and you know we, you don't want it, or the bowls of nuts, or whatever. And it's it's kind of the same thing with the beverages too. Maybe is you know everyone you kind of have the beverage station, and everyone's getting the same. Um, using the same cooler to get ice or, or touching the same uh, bottles or, or um, glasses. Um, so that's just, it's really good to think about as, as you're prepping, especially if you're hosting the holidays. Um, so lastly, I um, just wanted to ask you about what holiday activity you are most looking forward to this year, even though it, it might be a little bit different than previous previous years. Well... I do. I have to say that um, I I love Thanksgiving and I love Christmas. They're it's like my two favorite holidays out of the year. So, so I don't know. I mean, it's really hard. I've never had Thanksgiving without my girls, and I don't know if they can come, and so that's sad. But I still think I'm going to do a turkey, and for the for Christmas and the holidays. I don't know. Other people celebrate Hanukkah, but for me, it's Christmas, and I'm going to be. Uh, I'm hopeful that, again, we can get together. I'm going to try and isolate, of course, before we we celebrate. Um, and then I'm hopeful that we can do it. But we're going to be wearing masks and, and uh, you know, doing a lot of hand washing and thinking differently about how we're going to be eating. Yeah. <laughs> um, and doing a lot more stuff outside, hopefully. Fingers crossed for good weather. Right, exactly. But it's going to be different. So it's hard for us also. Yeah, similarly um, as well, you know, I, I, I want to try to see my family this year and, and take as many precautions as I can. Um, but honestly, that's that's probably what I'm, I'm most looking forward to is just being able to spend time with them mm-hmm. this year for, for so many. it's you ha- That's been the hardest part is, is you haven't been able to just hang out with, with your loved ones and, and kind of do nothing. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm just really hopeful that, that that's a possibility for me and my family. Well, and I'm probably FaceTime my mom because I'm afraid to go see her. But, you know, I think it's just going to be different. Well, definitely, hopefully next year we can, we can all hug our, our grandmas again. Yes, no, absolutely. And that concludes today's podcast on how you can, can plan for these winter holidays in the era of COVID-19. Uh, Thank you, Dr. Pearl, for joining us and sharing your valuable expertise and time. Thank you so much for having me. Stay safe, and everybody, remember your three W's. Wear your mask, watch your distance, and wash your hands. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you all for joining us for today's episode on TMA's Practice Well podcast featuring Dr. Trish Pearl. To access links and lists of resources discussed in this episode, please visit TMA's COVID-19 resource page at www.texmed.org forward slash COVID-19. Until next time, stay safe and stay well and happy holidays.